Hi, tonight on the Arts Report, it's all about the Queer Film Festival. We have Mavreen David in the studio to talk about her documentary, A Little Elbow Room. Denise Kenny will talk about her film Chainsaw Ballet, and arts reporter James is here to review Lot in Sodom and Vintage Queer Porn. Hi, I'm your host for tonight, Sarah Lapsley, and it's like a total party in the studio. We've got Megan Thomas, the Arts Report co-host here. I'm going to turn her on. Sarah, you're always turning me on. <laughs> it's tr- <laughs> And you are turning me on also all the time. <laughs> yeah, and and we've got James and Mavreen here. So we're going to start, you know, talking about a couple of events, and then we'll switch over and dedicate the rest of the time to the Queer Film Festival. So stay tuned for the next hour. I just wanted to sort of revisit a couple of weeks ago. I talked about Three's Company, a collaboration at Hogan's Alley, which was like a poetry reading thing. So I did go to that. And it was like a super hot evening and it was really packed in there. And I was like, oh, I might pass out. I don't know if I can like take it. Um, And at first it was like it was like an open mic thing. And I'd never been to a literary event before. And I was like, oh, this isn't very good. I was kind of panicky. But I realized you know, all the poems were good, but it's sort of like about the delivery. And so everyone was just practicing their delivery. And uh, there was a good one, this woman got up and she was quite shy. And she said, Oh, well, I'm getting married next month. And and then she read her poem. And it was about being a volunteer in a prison. And one of the prisoners sees this tree. And he's like, like, Oh, this tree, I haven't seen a tree in 20 years. And that's the poem. And then you sort of figure out like, Oh, this is her fiance. I said to my friend, oh, my God, she's going to marry this guy from the prison, like, that has been in prison for 20 years. So that was kind of interesting. That's crazy. I know. I was like, don't do it. Were they professional poets or? Um, Well, the open mic people weren't. Yeah. Uh, But then there was a break and then the main acts went on and they were total pros and they were really great. And um, the first one was this guy, David Spence, and he did this thing. He sort of interspersed, he did these kind of odes to his hometown of Surrey, these little, like, sonnets to Surrey, and they were really funny and kind of, like, a take on how people make fun of Surrey. And then he also did, do you guys know Stuart McLean? Mm-hmm, I don't, Final Cafe. I don't really listen to him, but he's got this distinctive voice, most yeah. people know him. So he read, like, synopsis of Three's Company episodes that he got <laughs> from Wiki in a Stuart McLean voice, like, a perfect Stuart McLean voice. <laughs> And and he'd be like, after crashing a wedding reception and finding himself passed out in the bathtub, you know, Jack Tripper and Chrissy, like, you know, and it was really funny. It was it was really cool. Um, and the next one was more sort of like interesting. It was this guy, Ray Sue, and he has a girlfriend and his girlfriend is married to another guy. So they have this sort of polyamorous relationship. And the girl was there and she had written an online essay about being polyamorous. And then all these people had made these horrid, like, mean comments underneath, really judgmental. That's not surprising. People are so judgmental about that. Yeah, I was like, they don't even know her. So Ray read the essay, and then then two readers read the comments. And it was like, wow, you just really, you know, people bang off stuff online, but it was like, 
you just realize how hateful Mm -hmm. and like what has she done like what is it of anyone's business right so that was really interesting and then my friend Leanne uh, did a thing because she has this complete obsession with Paul McCartney like as we all do yeah but no but over the top (laughs) like like since a child she's been obsessed with him and she dreams about him almost every night like these erotic dreams and so she's been writing them down and she read a selection of her dreams and he's this like he's this like like figure the sort of divine figure like he's always supportive or he's giving her (laughs) advice or he's telling her he loves her he's always there um and so and you know she's a very skilled writer but she would just wake up and write these dreams down so they're written almost like girlish kind of journal entries about Paul McCartney. Dear diary. Yeah, and her husband is very, like, cool with it. You know, he's like, what can he do, right? Yeah, like, her relationship (laughs) with Paul predates theirs, I'm sure, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) And they went to see him, like, in November when he was here, and it was, like, this huge event. He brought an extra bag of clothes, like, in case she completely (laughs) lost control. (laughs) It wasn't needed. Um, But but in one dream, Paul gave her... A catchy pop song. Like, remember Paul dreamt the song yesterday? Uh-huh. Well, she had a dream where Paul gave her this tune and she woke up and wrote this tune and plays it in her band. And so she played it for the audience and her husband played along with her on ukulele. Oh, so that was really, so it was really fun. Um, so I guess it's this whole crowd and I put myself on the mailing list and they're having more events. So I was like, you know, I could do this. Like, I could do the open mic thing and read poetry. And that would be great. I, poetry open mics are so hit or miss because on the one hand, they're often, it's all open mics. But then you, you that one person who's actually great and goes somewhere with it and you're like, oh, I'm so glad I saw that person. Yeah. That's why it's it's going to just random shows and going to random open mics is... Uh, really cool but you you were definitely earning it mm-hmm. you were definitely earning your cred your arts cred when you go to poetry open yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so tell me you are doing something this weekend megan the summer dreams literary festival put on by the pandora's collective so please tell us about yeah. that so um the literary festival is happening uh wednesday the uh, sorry saturday the 24th um down at trout lake and um there's workshops and there are uh readings and performances um they're uh, endowing joy cow gap i actually know how to pronounce her name i don't know why i'm having trouble um just take a deep uh, breath Kaugaya with uh they're endowing her with an award for distinctive body of work and um, it's their 10th year anniversary, and I'm going to be on a panel moderated by Dennis E. Bolin um, and uh, featuring Kim Worker and um, Lisa Hannes. And I met Lisa um, through the Vancouver is Awesome book club that I did some, some little write-ups for and some reviews and did some organizing with them a while back and I met Dennis when I reviewed his book um, anticipated results on the arts report and you know he thought I did an okay job I guess Um, and we are going to be talking about social media and art in the new do-it-yourself world and um, we are going to be talking a little bit about what it is like as an artist to promote yourself as a literary artist and, and what that means and kind of the reflecting on the changes that have happened um recently um but less about the technology and more about 
more about kind of this new landscape and like the value system and the the kind of tools of the trade and just talking a little bit about our experiences and for me it's less as a writer and more as a person who is helping to promote writers and who is interacting with people and and we use social media the arts report obviously to promote what's happening and so um and i like just love twitter i love it <laughs> i hope you're following us on at citr arts report oh god the phone's ringing do you know how to answer it um yes i do do you um, typically answer it i don't it typically answer it uh, unless i have a little space so i'm not because whenever it goes off i get paranoid like i've said something wrong yeah. and someone's angry and they're phoning in so they can phone um the programming department Okay. Um, and complain there. That would be awesome. <laughs> we're busy right now. Um, but yeah, so we're gonna. It's we're gonna be talking about those kind of things. And um, you can follow us on Twitter at citr underscore arts report, and you can follow me at I know about stuff. Yeah, you are a great social I'm media person. You, I think I'm pretty funny. You're funny, and you know how to do it, and like tie people in and connect with other people. Yeah, and, I'm. I'm yeah. like a, a real name dropper. So yeah. I just love dropping them names all over the place. <laughs> so um, anyway, yeah, so it's going to be interesting. And um, I uh, do you have the time there? We are on the community stage, and I believe it's um, like from one thirty to 2.40 or something to that effect. But the community um, stage. we're on the community stage. Social media and art. in one thirty to 2.15. Yes. A panel of social media writer experts discuss the current state of writing and promotion and the fact that most publishers are no longer in the author advertising business. It now falls to the artists themselves to ensure they gain a public profile. A how, why, and who-based interactive session starring Megan Thomas. Starring is a really strong (laughs) Featuring. Really strong. Yes. Um, (laughs) Co-starring. I mean, still use the term starring. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so that's going to be interesting, and um, it's the second time I've I've moderated, I, I curated and moderated a panel for Word uh, on the Street Festival, which is now Word, which is actually coming up this September, along with a bevy of other festivals um, that we're going to be covering on the Arts Report coming up, including um, we're going to be doing a show on New Forms on September 11th, um, which is running uh, September 12th to 15th. We are going to be doing the series This Fringy Life coming up, which is a with uh, James, who's in studio here. And we're going to be doing topics like clowning and migration and, and interesting things that are happening at the Fringe Festival. And these are little This American Lifestyle podcasts that will be airing after the Arts Report. Uh, and then we will be covering uh, the Vancouver Latin American Film Festival, which runs from the 30th to the 8th. So lots of really good festivals coming up. Tons of stuff. And we're going to be doing a live broadcast as part of the Fringe Festival. Yep. And as soon as we have that date nailed down, we will let you know. That's going to be a lot of fun. We'll, we'll talk to people uh, live. My favorite part about last year was a guy did uh, a piece, a one-man piece that was uh, like an... Um, where's that wear sunscreen thing that was that was floating around the internet for a while that was like, if I can I tell you one thing wear sunscreen (laughs) but he was doing it as a bear right like he's a bear (laughs) and he's talking to other bears and um it was probably it was and someone did some really 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 erotic poetry wow yeah it was it was real erotic and uh you know which i think ties in really well to um some of the stuff we're going to talk about today with the queer film festival Cool. Yeah, uh, Bob Mould from Husker Du is identifies as a bear, so I'll have to play <laughs> him maybe at the end of the show. Yeah, I love that guy. Great. Okay, well, we're going to take a little break and then come back and talk to Marine David. Now, when I first moved to Vancouver, my mom was a student uh, doing her master's degree in archival studies, and we lived on campus. And on my first day, like here, 
like I went for a walk and I found Wreck Beach Mm -hmm. and I wandered down there and I didn't go down trail six, which is the main trail. I went down trail five and it was like deserted. And I was like, oh my God, like I'm from Ontario, right? Mm -hmm. So everything's kind of flat. And I was like, this is the most incredible thing I've ever seen in my life. And it was deserted except for this man approached me and he was wearing a shirt socks and shoes and no no pants and i was like (laughs) classic wreck beach attire (laughs) and i was like only to being naked i was just like okay i you know i'm cool and you didn't know it was a nude beach well no i think i saw the clothing optional signs but i couldn't tell if he was creepy he asked me out to (laughs) a movie i did let him give me a ride home I don't know. You know, I'm very accepting and tolerant. You meet Sarah and like she seems kind of prim, but like she is a wild child. She's like, yeah, and then I met this guy with no pants and he asked me out and he gave me a ride home. No big deal. Uh, well, I didn't. first day. I didn't agree to go to a movie. Oh, okay. Like there was something creepy about but him. But you still got in a car. I still got, I, was he wearing well, was, pants in the car? Yeah, he must have been. I don't remember. <laughs> I mean, I think I'd remember. something on (laughs) anyways i'm gonna play i think there's i don't it looks like this psa is for a wreck beach tour so i'm just gonna play it and then see we'll be right back on citr 101.9 fm is your band going on tour at practicar rent a wreck we offer budget-minded individuals the opportunity to think economy with reliability thrifty pricing and value for your dollar All you need is to be 19 or older and have a valid driver's license. To get your band and gear on the road today, go to azureautogallery.ca or call 604-232-9873. That's 604-232-9873. Yo, 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 MTV in the house. I'm Hulk Hogan, and this is the CITR radio station. On September 5th, CITR is having an open house at our station located in the Student Union building on the UBC campus. Whether you're a seasoned programmer or have never been to the station before, drop by between noon and 5 p.m. for a tour, information, or just to say hello. Hulk Hogan and MTV do not approve of this message. Hi, we're back on the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. I'm Sarah Lapsley with Megan Thomas. And here we are with Mavreen David. And Mavreen made a film for the Queer Film Festival, and it's called A Little Elbow Room. And it's part, it's part of the Coast is Queer series, which is happening this Friday. Um, and I am actually, uh, we'll give you some more information. I'm going to use that, my VQFF app i'm totally like grossly promoting that but um it's really i'm having so much fun with it um coast is queer friday august 23rd 9 p.m at the rio which is like one of my favorite venues for films cool yeah i haven't been to something at the rio and so tell us a little bit for people who don't know what is the elbow room so the elbow room cafe is a diner it's located on davy street kind of in between um the it's nearer to Yale Town, but it is kind of part of the kind of LGBT kind of gay town of Vancouver. Um, it's run by Patrick and Brian, who are uh, an incredible couple. Uh, they've been running the Elbow Room for decades. Um, this is the second location in Vancouver. But it's uh, kind of this well-known little diner in town, not only because it's just a really cute spot, but uh, Patrick, who's one of the owners, is really well-known for dishing out some... Uh, 
some abuse to his patrons, but in a really hysterical and entertaining way. Um, so it's kind of like dinner theater, but at the diner for breakfast. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Like raunchy and hilarious. So tell me maybe about the first time you ever went in there. Um, I'm trying to think back at the very first time. I mean, I've known about the elbow room for a really long time. Um, but uh, I, can't, I can't remember when the first time was. I mean, I've been there a million times. But I can tell you uh, about a really memorable time. And um, that was a couple of days before my wife and I got married. Uh, we went in with our family, with my in-laws. And uh, Patrick, uh, you know, was dishing out the usual abuse, which my father-in-law, like, thoroughly enjoys. And, uh, and he asked us, you know, what they were in town for. And we told them that we were getting married. And he practically sat down with us and asked us about every detail about the wedding. And, like, we've been in there a million times since. And not one time goes by without him asking about my in-laws and how they're doing. And just a sincerity and a sweetness. You know, it's, it's no wonder that people just keep coming back. Yeah. He's a very, very much a character. He is. He's, yeah. He is. He calls himself a star, and and he absolutely is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And 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 so you made a thirteen minute documentary about I did. the film. I did. And uh, I think you capture him very well. And is there a sign in the restaurant that says like "There's only one queen here" or something like? Yeah, there is a sign there, and there's a line in the film that's hysterical. He's like, "There's only one." I forget the exact. There's only one queen in this place so i don't know <laughs> <laughs> you'll have to go and watch the film i can't remember have you, have you watched the film? you've watched the film right wait a second i made the film <laughs> <laughs> so what what like what made you want to make a film about the elbow room well i was uh doing a short program at langara digital film production uh, program just learning how to shoot video and uh, I had an assignment to make a short film, and I wanted to make a documentary because I love the genre. And um, I was just thinking about, you know, good stories, uh, good characters. And I happened to live in the building next door to the Elbow Room. And so seeing those guys, you know, you, you know that there are stories there. They've been around forever. They've been together forever. They've been through monumental times in history and you know that there are stories to tell and I just wondered you know who who are these guys mm -hmm. <laughs> why are they doing what they're doing yeah so Patrick is French Canadian is, is that right and his partner or Brian. husband is from England he is he's British like a full Brit like really British <laughs> and 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 they're fairly like in their 60s now or you know uh, I believe that Patrick is in his late 60s and Brian is actually in his 80s oh my goodness yeah. wow yeah. he's Great very like, oh my god full of life so yeah. young at heart and like you'd never know it they're just so spunky and really just fun to be around and yeah you'd never guess they have a great vibe like it's almost like brian i mean he's very much more the um like british kind of like straight man to patrick's flamboyant absolutely character <laughs> but it's almost like brian still has this like enjoyment of patrick that's new like even though they've been together for so long it's like He's still totally amused he by Patrick. He still gets a kick out of Patrick. He does. And he finishes his sentences. And, and don't discount Brian's humor. Like, he can dish it just as well as Patrick, you know, if you're lucky enough to see him on a Sunday morning, if he's in, if he's in the cafe. Like, he's pretty hysterical himself, too. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, d but he doesn't work there, Brian? You know, he's, he's in and out. Uh, Patrick's a, a staple, but mm -hmm. uh, uh, Brian's kind of in and out. 
Yeah. yeah. And they raised a lot of money, you talk about in the film, for a loving spoonful, is that right? They do. They've been championing that cause for many, many years, and um, it's obviously near and dear to their heart. Um, they lost a lot of friends in the, in the 80s to the AIDS epidemic at the time, and so they decided to get behind that and have been doing it ever since. Hmm. Yeah. And so, like, what was the filmmaking experience like for you, and how long did it take? And <laughs> Well, the truth of the matter is that it was a school project, and, and uh, you know, there was a small group of us, and we each got, you know, a couple of days each to make our short film. So I actually only shot for a total of probably four hours um, and had to kind of learn as 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 we went you know we had no idea what we were doing so you know this is a novice film <laughs> um i'm sure people will notice that when they watch not it. not at all <laughs> i want to say not at oh, all thanks. like it it was totally pro oh, i really I appreciate that and then you know learning to edit edit all that footage together because you can imagine how many one-liners I had to choose from with Patrick. (laughs) You got great restaurant footage of him doing his thing in the restaurant. You know, I just like stuck to him like glue. I just followed him one Saturday morning. I'm like, I'm going to get in your way and I'm really sorry, but here I am. And I just like tailed him the whole day. It was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Good. Yeah, no, I think I've been there once, but it was a long time ago, 15 or 20 years ago when they were more on... The Coal Harbor, Harbor side? Yeah, they were. And, um, and yeah, I went in. I was like, oh, they're abusive there. Was there a woman that worked there, <laughs> there was. who was also abusive? There or? was, yeah. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> and I was, like, waiting to be abused, and it didn't really happen. Aw. So, it's because you're so sweet. Yeah. What would Some, they abuse you I get, <laughs> I get abused, even so, though I'm sweet. Trust sometimes me. Sometimes you have to instigate them. Yeah. And it's worth it. It's totally worth it. Right. And you were saying your father-in-law likes to... <laughs> he baits him. He, he, if, he's, if he's not acting up, which... You know, some some days, you know, I'm sure he's not in the mood. My father-in-law will will sling an insult just to get him going. Like, and, and it's even, like it works every time. Like, what kind <laughs> of what kind of insult? Or I don't know. He'll call him a queen, or so, I don't know. He'll he'll say something kind of offside, right? <laughs> and Patrick just loves it. It uh, just gets him going. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. And what's the food like? Is it good food? You know what? It's great diner grub. Yeah, you know, good bang for your buck. Yeah, absolutely. Huge plate. Now Huge what, pancakes. <laughs> what's the thing where if you don't eat all your food, you get in trouble? You do. Well, they used to have a policy where if you didn't polish off every last bite of your food, they they would ask you to make a donation to the Loving Spoonful. Mm-hmm. And it used to be, I think, enforced. <laughs> like whether you liked it or not, the charge showed up on your bill. Right. But, I love that. But now they're a little bit more passive about it and they just ask yeah. that you do They're, it you and know, nine mellow, times out of ten like mellow in your it. old age yeah <laughs> well because if it looked like the plates of food were quite they're huge. hearty oh absolutely servings yeah yeah and you gotta be hungry to finish yeah that. and often <laughs> in the morning you're not hungry no so if you order breakfast <laughs> and like then, a 12 inch pancake but you can hardly balk at like being asked to you no. know donate a bit of money to the no. loving spoonful and they're so passionate about it and you see the numbers up on the walls of all the money that they've raised yeah and just for those who don't know, what's the Loving Spoonful? The Loving Spoonful provides meals to uh, folks who are suffering from HIV and AIDS that need assistance. Mm-hmm. Um, so they provide meals. It's an amazing organization. Yeah. Check them out. They've been around a long time. Yes, they have. Yeah. Very reputable. The great people. Great yeah. people to work with. So um, your film's playing this Friday night as mm-hmm. part of a bunch of other short films. Correct, yeah. Coast is Queer is the series, and um, I'm just thrilled and honored to be included yeah no I mean I never would have known it was like you know new to you or anything it was very smooth and just 
they're such characters you're just drawn into the story. I hope everyone falls in love with them the way I did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they will. Yeah. And do you have any plans to do other projects? I absolutely up? hope so. I, mm-hmm. I hope so. I have ideas and things, but you know, the independent filmmaker, it really just depends on funding and time. Mm-hmm, <laughs> for sure. What are, do you have any subjects that you would really like to cover? Like, um, you know, say the funding comes through and everything like. You know, I, I've been a part of uh, music documentaries in the past. I used to work in the music business back in the day. And, um, you know, it's something that I'd, I'd love to revisit. I have a lot of friends who are ind- crazy, talented, independent uh, musicians. And nowadays there's just, there's so many fans who are kind of um, hungry for that kind of content. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I'd love to do it again. Well, yeah, come on back with it. Yeah, I will. Thank yeah, you. definitely. <laughs> well, it's great to have you on, Mavreen David, and so her much. film, A Little Elbow Room, about the Elbow Room, Room restaurant. So it's down on Davy now. You can just Google that and go have some breakfast. Um, Megan's going to take over and talk about Chainsaw Ballet, which is another short film. Mm-hmm. I think it's happening on the same night, yep, on the 23rd. Um, and we're actually going to play it for you because it's mostly... Yeah, it's uh, it basically, um, I'll tell you more about it in a bit, but I thought we would let you listen because um, we talk a lot about this song during the interview. Um, so why don't we have a little listen to um, the audio portion, which is a big part of the, the film. Um, and the video is basically uh, them singing this song in two uh, women who are actually a couple. Um, singing this song um, uh, in longer gear in the, the woods and some other artistic things happen but um, this song is really great and it is a real song um, from uh, Denise's uh, childhood so this is Chainsaw Ballet by Denise Kenny. see me 
Upon one freezing day He held me in his warm embrace And broke three vertebrae He kissed me when we parted So hard it broke my jaw I could not speak to tell him He forgot his Mackinac I watched my lover leaving Sauntering through the snow Going gaily homeward At forty-eight below The weather it tried to freeze him It did its level best At a hundred degrees below zero He buttoned up his vest It froze clean and that is a little bit of Chainsaw Ballet, and it's these uh, women singing and some gentlemen doing a little ballet with some chainsaws in their logger gear. Um, and uh, Denise Kenny is, uh, works out at the University of uh, BC in the Okanagan. And uh, she not only um, is a filmmaker and artist herself, um, but she has a company called uh, Inner Fish Performance and Company, and they do theater and they do film. And part of her practice is to do live events, and then th- she films them later. So um, she also works with Nancy Holmes. So that was something she started with uh, her uh, colleague, Neil Cager. And then that also leads into Eco Art Incubator. And that is art and work that looks at ecology. And that's with uh, n- her colleague, Nancy Holmes. So very interesting lady, um, Denise Kenny. And this film really caught my eye because my, you know, dad and my, my background and like, there's a little, just a little bit of a camper in there. Um, you know, he, he used to take us on these retreats and, you know, learned a lot about logger culture. And, um, so it's really interesting, um, to see that queered. And I wanted to ask her a little bit about, um, the film. So, uh, first I asked, uh, Denise, uh, what inspired this film, which was, um, edited and put together um, by the lovely Joanne Gervais. Well, we were creating artwork at four different seasons in uh, the Woodhaven Nature Conservancy here in Kelowna. And so I created the Chainsaw Ballet piece as a live performance piece to be done in the park. Mm, So... um, you know, the community could walk through the park and they would come upon these women singing and the men dancing, doing this chainsaw ballet. So it originally was a live performance done in uh, a park as part of this larger project called the Woodhaven Project. And when I decided to film it, I thought I would do it as a kind of a 80s video style <laughs> filming where the, the singers, you know, gaze into the camera. And I actually thought... I grew up in northern BC, and I thought everybody knew uh, my lover was a logger. I heard it, my father sang it all the time in my childhood, but since making the film, I've realized that it's not as well-known as I thought it was. It really does, and was meant to sort of queer the whole um, 
So um, I didn't talk to her a little bit about um, the idea of this being connected with the Queer Film Festival and, and what she was shooting for. And um, she has a lot to say about the... Um, the idea of the culture of logging and uh, how she wanted to queer logging. Well, I grew up in Terrace in northern BC. Um, but in theory, she says that. Here, here's where she says it. It really does and was meant to sort of queer the, the whole um, mythology and nostalgia around this domination we have over nature and the macho logger, right? I mean, that song is seriously macho. It's mm -hmm. actually quite violent. And so, you know, the idea really was to flip that on its head and, and queer it. So you have the two women, at the end of the film, um, they sing this, this, you know, this sad story of my lover was a logger who dies. And then by the end of it, they kind of laugh and walk away. You know, it is it is undermined at the end. Um, and, of course, the loggers dancing ballet, you know, is, is an attempt to sort of queer that whole dynamic, yeah. Is there a choice? So what I found really interesting was where she kind of got the idea of addressing logging. And obviously, she uh, Denise works at the U uh, University of BC Okanagan, so she's in touch with nature already. Um, but I asked her, um, you know, is, is there logging in in your background, in your family? Like, what made you so interested in the subject matter? Well, I grew up in Terrace in northern BC, um, but log. My father wasn't a logger; he was a teacher. My brother-in-law was a logger, was a faller for years, but of course, um, when the bottom fell out of, of all of that, and really the whole, the terrace uh, was decimated by the problem with the softwood deal and all of that. Although I, my family, my immediate family, like growing up, we weren't involved in the logging industry. Everybody around me was, you know, friends and family and um, extensively. Um, so I... I've, it's been around me, it was around me all my life, you know, growing up, the, the, the notion of the bush. And I graduated in 82, and in 82, um, you know, you could get a great summer job logging. I mean, there was a lot of money to be made in mm -hmm. logging at that time. So, yeah, I've been keenly aware of that, and also, you know, with the songs and the whole culture around it, of this sort of the mythology that surrounds it and the nostalgia that surrounds logging. Yeah, I mean, even now, whenever I hear a chainsaw in the distance, it's almost comforting to me because it just feels like home. <laughs> the sound of the chainsaw. That's lovely. And there is this sense that nature is limitless or that we can somehow control it to such an extent that, you know, um, everything will be fine because we're in control. And there's something about logging that, that uh, really brings that out in us. Because when you're in the woods, especially up north, it does feel like it just those, those forests go forever, you mm -hmm. know? It's weird how clear cuts have become a part of our aesthetic in terms yeah. of looking, it, looking at the forest, especially from the highway. Or even, um, you know, I kayak the Charlottes a couple times, and, and the, they're, they're like shaved poodles, really, the, the mountains, right? 
um, from the clear cuts. And I, I'm not anti-logging, but I think a conscious approach to logging is, you know, the, the film was not an attempt to be anti-logging necessarily, but it was an attempt to sort of question the whole macho, dominant uh, approach to logging. It's a, yeah, it's supposed to be funny, and I haven't received any hate mail from loggers or anything. No, nobody seems to be terribly threatened by it, which probably is uh, an indication of how strong and comfortable and entrenched the whole logger <laughs> image is. That it, is it, true. Uh, you can't topple that one very easily in British Columbia. My lover was a logger, there's none like him today, if you... So Chainsaw Ballet, as you heard, was originally created for the Woodhaven Conservancy Eco Art Project. And it has won a bunch of awards, including seven summits award at the Mountain Film Awards in Mammoth Lakes, California. Um, It's been uh, screened in a bunch of local um, performance art in the natural environment film festival, which I actually have heard about recently and sounds really interesting. So we should follow up on that for the the report. Um, And uh, if you're interested in more projects from uh, Denise, you can check her out on the Eco Art Incubator. Um, A project that she's doing right now is Beeline and um, it's being distributed now. Um, And it was a project she did where she asked women and children from her local area to pick a place and to create a bee dance like the kind of dance where um bees like tell each other where the pollen is james is doing a really good one right now um everyone knows where his pollen is and then he fell down so it's great it's really good um if only we were filming our radio show um and so she felt she those were both performances and films as she does in her practice and they could kind of do it anywhere um and it can be any kind of dance so that's called beeline and you can find that on Eco Art Incubator. And um, you can also find her at uh, the Inner Fish Performance Company. So thank you very much, Denise Kenny. And you can check out her film um, on the Coast is Queer Film Festival. Um, it's a festival of shorts at the Queer Film Festival this Friday at the Rio. Another show that is coming up that Sarah is going to tell us a little bit about is uh, She Said Boom, the story of Fifth Column, um, which is going tomorrow, uh, the 22nd, at the Rio Theater at 9.30. And this is actually um, by Kevin Haig, um, and it is a portrait of the all-female punk bad Fifth Column, which is from the 80s, um, and their influence and the riot girl movement and etc um and so it's a it's a documentary on their legacy um and uh sarah why are you interested in this one you like you got you you got she's a riot girl herself sarah (laughs) i am an aging riot girl um aged riot girl um but well fifth column are from toronto and, yeah, I didn't realize they sort of predated things like L7 and that who were from the early 90s. So they were, um, like, queer women, punk rock. And I just happened to see them in, like, it must have been 1989. Uh, there was an anarchist festival in Toronto, and I lived in Guelph, which is a small town. And it was, like, my friend and I made this big trip to Toronto. Ooh, and it the was big city. so exciting. <laughs> and then it was an all-ages show at this club, The Silver Dollar, which I think is still there. Um, and... And they played, and I was just like, oh, my God. Like, they were so cool. I think the bass player was, like, super pregnant. And <laughs> um, and everyone in the audience took their shirts off. 
And this was, I was just like, oh, this is so cool. I didn't take my shirt off because I'm prim, like you said. But I um, said you seem I like seem it, prim. But you are not. You are a badass. Thank you. <laughs> I'm very polite. Never badass. forget it. I'm a badass. Um, <laughs> sorry for swearing. Um, anyways, yeah, so it was quite an amazing experience. So when I saw the film, I thought, oh, wow, that's really cool. So we wanted to play a song, and then we're going to come back and review some of the films we've seen yeah. at the Queer Film Festival. It's been so awesome. So this song is by Fifth Column. It's called All Women Are... Yeah, content warning. Content warning. We're going to say bitches. All women are bitches. All women are bitches. And this is by Fifth Column. Uh, and let's get, let's get our riot on. Which are more dangerous... Men or guns? Both are dangerous, but only a man can kill you. Or at least try. It's only a dream. It's only a dream. It's only a dream. Power cord. 
every Saturday from 1 to 3 p.m. here on CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver. <laughs> I faced it. I have Alzheimer's disease. My diagnosis has let me get on with my life my way. The more we learned about my grandfather's dementia, the more we could face the future and make plans. My husband Tom and I spoke to our doctor right away. I have Alzheimer's, but it doesn't have me. I faced it. So can you. For more information about early diagnosis, visit alzheimer.ca. Hey, we're back on CITR 101.9 FM. This is the Arts Report. I'm Sarah Lapsley. We're here with Megan. Hello. And our arts reporter, James. Hi. Yay! It's like a total party in the studio. So, James, we want to know all about the film you saw last night at the Queer Film Festival. And it's called Lot in Sodom and Vintage Queer Porn. That's right. So it was a collection of Quintage Beer... Quintage Beer Porn. porn. Yeah. Vintage Queer <laughs> Porn first. There's like six, five or yeah. six. And then um, a, a longer short feature, Lot in Sodom. Um, what do you want to talk about first? Well, I just want to say that, like, let's not underestimate the vintage. Like, the l- the old, the youngest film, so to speak, was 1933. Yeah, so over... And the earliest one was 1920. So it's, this stuff is coming up on, you know, almost 100 years old. Yeah, it was nuts. Um, 80 years old. First of all, the amount of layers these people had was... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they were pretty close. Like they hoops really and close. petticoats. And- Not quite. I mean, the women were, they started off a little bit scantily, but still layers. The men never got completely undressed. Mm-hmm. They always kept their sailor outfit on. <laughs> or, you know, like just the bare minimum to do what they needed to do properly. Except for, um, so do we want to like go through what the, like, because I found the, um, the premises really funny. okay. Do we yeah, want to just go through? Let's go through okay. the plots of the 1920s. <laughs> okay, so it started out with "What's the World Coming to," which I think is probably my favorite, and it's it's basically like, um, it's a hundred years in the future from 1926, <gasps> oh, yeah. and where men are like women and women are like men, and it's like a wedding, and the women are all, you know, drag kinged up. They're all in drag, and then the the men. Are wearing the um, blushing groom, the blushing groom, and the and and so they've they've reversed all the the gender roles and like she's coming in at night and he's like where have you been and stuff and it was quite <gasps> oh, it was awesome. quite quite funny and it was very slapsticky and I think my favorite part and the thing is is that like it wasn't pornography it was it was, it was or erotica or anything but it was definitely like. Um, uh, it would have been scandalous, I think, probably. We should look that up. But my favorite part is he arrived, he, someone shows up, like the, the father-in-law shows up, yeah. the meddling father-in-law instead of the meddling mother-in-law, mm-hmm. like on a blimp that like drives by and then he like jumps off into the apartment. Because everyone's like, flying. Sort of, yeah. Like everyone. flying cars, but it was flying blimps. Yeah. Like it was like vintage future. It was great. It was the weirdest thing. Oh, wow. And then there was the, the sailor one. Oh, yeah. What is it? Like, bad sailor? Naughty sailor or something? Uh, ex- exclusive sailor. Oh, exclusive sailor. So, this exclusive sailor. sailor. You're really good at this oh, so far. Oh, jeez, Louise. <laughs> um, uh, he's, he's 
he's tripped and fallen on a woman. Mm-hmm. Is slippery or in the boat or something's yeah. happened, and the captain comes in, and the captain trips and falls on the sailor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they like pun- he like punishes him. Yeah, um, and so it was like it was. <laughs> Usually, you know, you'd see a lot of guy on two guys on a girl, but this was yeah, this was guy on guy on this was guy on guy in 1920 style, and like nobody was attractive. No, definitely no one in that was well. The girl, I mean, the girl, I think some men were attractive. She was like curvaceous and and yeah, but it was all about the it was all about the the D. Yeah, and you mean the D, the penis. The phallus. The yeah. phallus. It was... No, no. It was about the penis. It was <laughs> not about the phallus at all. Yeah. There was no subtlety. Um, uh, but you know what? They, it was pretty dirty. It was as dirty as really anything yeah. I've seen. Um, but so what Megan so- said was super interesting is you you notice the camera, the different angles, right? Because they didn't move the camera back then. You just had to move the actors. Right. And so, I mean, there's some classic shots that mm-hmm. they still use oh, to yeah. this day. You know? So, and then there's some awful shots where you couldn't see anything it's just people kind of rolling around <laughs> you know and everything moved really and all of the things yeah. moved so fast it's like old, it was like not erotic right, fashion, right. like fast motion and so yeah it looks like and then the subtitles <laughs> would come in like because it was a classic silent film right style. i have to say like speaking of classic silent films that it was uh all scored live music so mm-hmm. by diving for rocks which is like um two members of queer as funk and one member of brastronaut on and they were doing like trumpet trombone clarinet and then electronics yeah and sometimes it was quite funny and sometimes it made it kind of ominous it did like i mean for um exclusive sailor i mean for i stopped and i just kind of thought like, oh, i'm just watching porn with a bunch of people right now because the music was so kind of eerie it kept and it, you kind of from thinking about yeah it and it kept it made this it kept it gave it a wrong edge to it you know i mean obviously everyone that came was super open and you know it was yeah. like ha 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 we're watching vintage porn but with the music i kind of was like oh this is this is wrong <laughs> yeah there were a little there were it was a little dark in some places uh now buried treasure from 1925 was the cartoon oh the best one <laughs> It was like, um, it reminded me of these things, uh, the Tijuana Bibles. Have you guys heard of these before? Mm-mm. They're basically like dirty cartoons that are like cheap chat books that they used to like pass around. And it was this guy and he was real randy and he had this huge penis and it would like, it would like fall off. It was, a, it was like a and dog. It had a mind of its own and he'd it like, was get like back a- on here. <laughs> <laughs> We'd go like bark up trees and like go chase women, and he'd have to chase after it and like. And grab there was it. just like there was bestiality, yeah. And like his his things kept falling on it and it get getting stuck places. Yeah, it was really it fell into a re- cactus. Yeah, and then it's like oh, it was so funny. It was it was um, all very cheeky, and like uh, very uh, of the style, but just yeah, it was like pornographic. Yeah, it was like a really really kind of. Randy Felix the Cat. Exactly. Well, yeah. Felix the Cat's a Randy Felix the Cat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, like, he was going to have sex with this woman, but he had to pull all this stuff out first. And, like, like there was a clock in there. There was a stiletto. And a stiletto shoe. And then there, and then he finally gets in, and then there's a crab in there. Yeah. Huh? Uh. It's a cautionary tale, really. 
So those were kind of, yeah, that was kind of the, the, the porn aspect of it. Oh, and then there was also the one that I really liked, and I'm sure you liked it too, where it, there was no sex. It was just like these two guys working out in like <gasps> yeah. thongs that were like just basically a piece of fabric over their junk. And they like, they worked out and they wrestled and then they like yeah. washed each other in the tub. But they were laughing the whole time. They were having like a really, they having, and they were ripped. Oh my God. And not so gym ripped, they were right? Because so it was like 1920s beautiful. ripped. It was like farm ripped. Yeah. Farm ripped. You know, like oh yeah. Real, like real mad. <laughs> And um, yeah, they're just having a great time. And uh, and then like the mom, which is a, mom. was a guy in drag, and <laughs> gave him a spanking. Oh, yeah. which they seem oh to really God. enjoy. Yeah, that seemed to be the best part. Yeah, I liked it a lot. So it was. It was, I think. Uh, you know the guy from Videomatica gave this kind of moving speech about like queer history, and I think also in in, in a wider way like. The first time someone did a cave drawing, the next thing they drew was porn- pornographic. Like the, every new technology, the first thing that does it, and sometimes does it the best, is pornography. You know, the internet, uh, video, film, uh, you know, these comic books when they first came out. Like yeah. it, people want to see people having sex. And uh, it, it goes back a long time. And you know what? This stuff was, some of it was cheekier and funnier either on purpose or, or because we're not used to it. But um it was like butts were getting licked and stuff like it was dirty it mm-hmm. was as dirty as anything i'd seen like people still have this we have these like this image of like victorians and stuff but they was dirty mm-hmm. sorry mom i know you're listening <laughs> yeah well this is the, we're just describing a film we saw not for the faint of heart no, no. <laughs> and then lot and sodom was the last one and i'll just say that it was um extremely experimental and it was a story of lot and Lot's wife and, and the angel. and Oh, that and must have been cool. Tell, tell us. It was super, super experimental. Like, they used... They kind of gave you the feeling of what Sodom was like. Like, the sensuality of all these, like... These repetitive, hypnotic, like, bodies merging in and out. And, and using, like, reflection. And, and Yeah, like... Yeah. Was it period costumes and stuff? Like... Yeah, I mean, it was... I mean, it... It was kind of like Cleopatra. Right, yeah. 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 All the men wearing makeup. And, yeah. But, the guy um, had this really, like, fake woolen beard. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. That was really distracting, actually. It was. But it was all, like... It wasn't pornographic at all. No, too. but it was, like... Um, erotic. It was adult, yeah. It was erotic. Well, it was sensual. And yeah. it was very, like, kind of scary and dark. But it was hard to follow. Yeah, it was... Because the... the, the some of the subtitles were missing and and if you didn't know the story you would not have been able to tell what was going on but it was like super artsy and experimental and like uh, again just because it's old doesn't necessarily mean that people weren't as artistic or sexual or Mm -hmm. or any of these things Mm -hmm. and i think the queerness just comes from obviously the sodomy so yeah Yeah. so um, no go ahead one of the one of the things throughout all the films was was the quality right Mm -hmm. a lot of them were really really bad quality so you're kind of peering into the past through this foggy scratched window Mm -hmm. and you kind of you know squinting your eyes things are off the screen like you just want to move the camera (laughs) to the left a little bit and then this the subtitles were just completely illegible at some point yeah and so it was really, it was really kind of... Well, she said about the sailor one, like, um, you're not going to be able to read all the subtitles, but I think you're going to be able to follow the plot. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. And the guy from, um, just one more point um, that I thought was interesting is it was sponsored by a couple of people. Queer Arts Festival was one of them. Um, and then the other was uh, Steamworks. The Gentleman's Spa. Yes. The Notel Motel. Oh, I thought it was the place where no. they make burritos. <laughs> well, there's oh yeah, that's steamrollers. Steamrollers, because they were like, oh, Steamworks is and our sponsor, pub, and I was like, why would a burrito Steamworks. place sponsor the queer film festival? No, but it was the it was the motel with no windows. Yeah, and he was will. like, we all know what goes on there. 
Yeah, and he actually he was very he, he obviously poignant. wasn't very comfortable in front of a crowd, yeah. but uh, you know he just said, oh, you know, we're happy to support the festival and blah blah blah. And he said, you know, we we are what we are, um, but we've been an integral part of the community since the beginning and part of um, the culture too. Yeah, and part of the culture, and I don't think any gay man can argue that. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah, so that was a really cool series, and um, the other, the only other one I've seen. So I'm going to go to Costa Square on Friday. Um, the only other one I've seen is um, the Magnific- Magnifica Presenza or the Magnificent Presence, which was the opening film. And um, if you, if anyone can track that down, because obviously it's it's been played, but is really really good and again a lot of this stuff is like it the person happens to be gay it, it it's part it was part of the plot um but it was really it was a really interesting story um it had ghosts in it and it was so fabulous and 1930s ghosts and they had all these beautiful clothing and and it was really like it, it could have been a story with a, a woman and a straight or a straight man or anything but um and i think those kind of movies are kind of great because it's not like he's you never talk about it like he has this lover that he's pursuing and there's this guy that lives downstairs who like is kind of this perhaps he's gonna be um I'd love interest, but he's a girlfriend, so he's obviously closeted. But they were very, like, small details that were, like, this is a whole character who's gay. But it wasn't, the movie was not about his gayness. Um, but people did um, dismiss him, be, dismiss, like, his claims and his interests. He was trying to be an actor because because of his gayness. So it's kind of, like, it featured in the plot, but ultimately it was just a really awesome ghost story with lots of beautiful costumes. <laughs> cool. And it was heartwarming. Thanks, Megan and James. I went to see I Am a Porn Star, which I did write a review about. We're sort of running out of time, so oh. I'm not going to speak to it. Um, but Sorry. if you check... <laughs> oh, no. If you check out www.citr.ca, my review is on there. There was... It was... Yeah, a lot of great characters, uh, sort of a documentary about working in the gay porn industry. So um, some of the guys were gay, some of them were straight um, and worked cause in gay porn because it pays better. And um, and so, yeah, like one was sort of vain, mm-hmm. this like failed model, but he was really good looking, but vain and kind of a bit dumb. Uh, uh, Rocco. No. Yeah. <laughs> but this other guy um, was really cool. My Colby Jansen. And he's like a former Marine. And uh, he sort of like, he just had this really refreshing, like he was sort of a man's man. And then he's like, yeah, you know, I like women. I like men. I'm kind of pansexual. Basically, anybody with a hot body. Like, I like it. I like uh, that. You know, and uh, and then he he fell in love with he saw this beautiful woman at a bar and it turned out she was transsexual and he's like, yeah, you know, I don't care. And they're married and they're totally happy. She's a porn star too. Um, But he's just really like, yeah. So he was like really into his work. Yeah. It was was a vocation. It was a vocation for sure. And he had worked as a defense contractor and stuff and was like, no, this isn't for me. He's like, they asked and he was like, hells yes, out of here. Yeah. And and the other guy was Brent Everett and he's from Saskatchewan. Yeah. Oh, these are real porn stars. Oh, yeah. I've met Brent Everett. Okay. Tell us about Brent Everett. Oh, I'm not. It's no. You won't tell us about him. That is a crime. That is a he, crime that you will let tell us. He's got story. a huge huge phallus. Phallus. <laughs> he's huge. very sweet. And he's also very small, which makes it look bigger. Yeah, right. Well, he was in it a lot and he was just really adorable. Like and he was sort of the most, I don't know, like in a way he had the most star power because he's very um pretty and a real kind of superstar and but and he's gay and like married and 
Yeah, I think he could go places for sure. And he had these parents who were like swinging parents <laughs> and they were super supportive of his like lifestyle and career choice. And they had come to a porn awards show and he was saying like they were the first parents to ever attend awesome. an Aww. award show. Um, yeah, so uh, he was great. You, you don't want to say anything about... I met him Brent. briefly once and um, I... I uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Like, like, so you must have s- exchanged some words. Okay, well, <laughs> yeah, gay, like you didn't just look gay at porn him. stars portray themselves as very masculine always, right? They're always portrayed, you know, um, very, very butch. And let's well, like, let's just say that he, he opened his mouth and a purse hit me in the face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Little... So he was feminine. You mean? Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Gayer than a row of tents, that boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super yeah. sweet, super nice, and everything. But I mean, you, you 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 see the character they play, right? And, that, and then I met him in real life, and I went, "Oh, it's Brad Everett," you know. And well, it's more it's sexier almost if they're more masculine because that's more of a taboo. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. like the whole like um, there's this kind of I I don't know if it, how serious it is, but there's this thing um, with you know like oh you're straight like until mm-hmm. I get through Six with pack you, massage, right? You yeah. know what I mean? Um, <laughs> but you were saying that like they made it very um, off air that they made it very like slick and like not family friendly, but like they kind of didn't talk about things like the drugs and things like that that often get talked about when you're talking about porn. Yeah, like it, it was sort of like everyone comes to work and it's this beautiful set and everyone's happy and they're having such a good time and. Mm-hmm. And then it's, you know, and it just seemed to make it a bit glossier than I wonder if it actually mm-hmm. is, like, more seedier. And especially, like, when you're thinking about straight porn, you know, when sometimes, like, the women seem drugged out or... It, you, like, it makes you wonder how different the culture is because mm-hmm. I would say that because men are allowed to enjoy sex mm-hmm. and because there's different power dynamics between men and directors are all men and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Like, I wonder if they just have greater job satisfaction and just aren't pressured into do as much just because... Diff- but, like, there's no way to tell. Uh, men can be pressured and yeah. stuff, but there's not that mm-hmm. inherent, like... The misogyny isn't there. No, yeah. I want Like, you leave and you don't feel conflicted about seeing it. It's like, oh, everyone's, yeah, everyone's happy. Like, you don't have... Don't go away feeling, oh, I wonder if she's, like, you know, yeah. exploited or, mm-hmm. like... Which is in Maybe. itself like kind of unfeminist because it's like you would see a woman and you assume she's exploited and that's not. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's hard. Yeah. It's really hard to like be a feminist. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. And, and, really it's really <laughs> <hard>. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's just about not making assumptions yeah. because you know yeah. what that that's means. True, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's a great film and I, I did write about it. And I'll just take and we're going over time. I'll just take one minute to talk about cosplay, which oh, I yeah, saw last night. So, I was like, what is this doing in the festival? But like that seems so cool at the same time. I mean, I mean, drag is just cosplay, really. Well, <laughs> what was it doing in the festival? Well, um, it's actually a lot of the characters mm. were queer and transgendered. Um, so cosplay is like costume play. Mm-hmm. So it's this whole culture and community where they, they interact online, but then they get together for these conferences. So the, the documentary followed them to a bunch of different conferences. Some of them had like 18,000 delegates at these conferences. And they're all kids. Like they're all like youths really like 17 to 25. And they love to dress up. Now I'm like not into video games, but I guess most of the costumes are from video games. Mm -hmm. Anime. Yeah. Anime. And they're all like super nerdy kids. Like, um, <laughs> she's just shaking her head. They had, <laughs> like they had a conference here a month ago. Some of it was filmed at UBC, actually. 
But, and then they follow a few characters. So one was this girl, Lily, 14 years old, and she was so sweet, like, like, but had grown up in a broken home being raised by her grandmother. Her mom was a drug addict and she was just really smart and sweet. You just fell in love with her. The trailer was kind of blah and I was like not expecting much and it was wonderful. Um, and then Lucas was a, like a female to male, transsexual, really popular, like this huge online following and sort of following his dramas and um, costumes. And then there was this character, Danae, and Danae was, like, so beautiful. And as a child, she had been into costumes and then grew up and got involved in this cosplay. And she had a best friend, Mana. And so at the beginning of the film, it's sort of, she's like, yeah, I think I'm in love with my best friend. And they have this drama where she tells Mana she's in love with her. And Mana sort of rejects her. But Aww. they keep, and you're like, like, Mana, you're crazy, right? <laughs> like, Danae is so beautiful. And then they kind of get closer. And Mana sort of comes out and, and, and starts dressing more as a guy and they never tell you like you're waiting that's kind of the main thing you're waiting for like do they get together and they're very vague they're kind of like oh we're super bonded and sometimes love is vague it, it was vague and then they were there at the end in the q a and i was like oh they were there they were there D- and danae was like i was just like staring at her like <laughs> s- like, like are you su- real <laughs> <laughs> and then mana was there and i'm like are you guys together? Like I had to know and I didn't know by the end, but it was, it was such, did you ask the question? No. Did anyone? No. Oh, it's so frustrating. It was super frustrating, but you know, it was a great film and, and, and like Lily, the 14 year old, she sort of reunites with her mom. Who's the drug addict. And there's a scene where she's like weeping in her mother's arms and her mother's sort of like, sorry that she ran away and became a drug addict. And I started crying in the film. Like it, I didn't expect it to be so, wonderful and just like the i think the main takeaway point was the acceptance like these are the kids that end up killing themselves because Mm -hmm. you know they have gender issues or they're such outsiders and it's called my other me Mm -hmm. and so i think that's very telling of what you're saying is like oh you know what they found a way to express their identity somehow and it's not always drag or it's not always you know whatever it's sometimes it's something else but it's still like getting to become who you really are and it's by safe. being someone else. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The community that supports you. Yeah. And yeah. these costumes, like making the costumes and costume contests, contests are actually people there in costumes and they had a little contest. Oh, that's oh, cool. Yeah. So you really got the full experience. Like, I'm so glad I went, but they asked this question, like this facilitator, she's like, who in the audience feels like an outsider? And like half the people put up their hands and I'm like, I don't really feel like an outsider. Well, you have us, Sarah. You have to leave. And then so I didn't put up my hand. Like, I didn't put up my hand. And then and then I was like, I feel dumb, like, being not outsider. So I just put up my hand, too. Peer <laughs> pressure. Well, that, and that's um, a Canadian film by Josh Lehner. Um, and it's actually it won an award uh, at the Grind Film Festival in Rio. So, and then what was the other one we were, that you were talking about? Just, we'll say the... Uh, Say the director, so people can find more from these people. Um, uh, what was it? I am a porn star. Yeah, I am a porn star. I don't know who made it. Well, uh, you just go to BrentEverett.com. Right. Uh-huh. And, uh, you can. They're all on Twitter too. Work. You Mr. should do that at work for Mr. sure. Everett. Oh, okay. So that one. Um, so that was. I'm a Saturday. porn star. And that was uh, Charlie David, and that's also we 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 like to keep with the Canadian films. Yep, here. it was Canadian. So that one is. Um, yeah, that's Charlie David did that one, so you can look that up and as the, well. There's one playing tonight. I kind of was interested in. Now hold on, let me find it. It's called Camp Beaverton. <laughs> 
Oh, where is it gone? This 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 mouse is like sticky. I don't like it. <laughs> While you're looking for That's that. That's why you shouldn't let James in here before. It. Oh, oh, come on. oh I can't find it. We've been so good. We've been it's, talking about all these. It's uh, called things. Camp Beaver 10. It's at the Meet Cineplex. The Beavers. I have it. Here. Yeah, Meet the Beaver Cineplex Odeon International Village Cinemas. It's about like a uh, Burning Man and this camp, I guess, of lesbians. Camp Beaverton is a queer, all-women, trans-inclusive, sex-positive theme camp at oh, Burning Man. Well, are um, you allowed to have heterosexual sex there? The experimental, oh, experiential no. art festival that happens every August in Nevada's Black Rock Desert. It's funny because, like, you know, you hear about Burning Man and it's such a cliche, but I actually met a friend who always goes every year. Mm-hmm. And it made it I have sound a bunch cool. of friends who all and I was like, go. But it's so hard jealous. to get tickets and then you're out there. And, like, I'm, I'm like, you know, I don't, not a... Like, it would not take drugs or anything. So what's the point? Because everybody just takes drugs, right? But it, like, I want to go to bed like, at, like, 11 and have quiet. And that's not... Shower. Burning Man isn't the no, place. A shower. Be, that would not be good. Yeah, not be covered in dust. No. But maybe Camp Beaverton would be fun. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> not for you. Sell, guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what? I know this, but you're not a lesbian. I was worried so we... not for just, you. Let's just... Put the labels away. We, <laughs> I was worried we would like run out of time, but that hasn't been the case. We've gone over time. So you know what? I think we're going to um, go now. And um, oh, it's been so fun. It's it been so been fun. fun. It's been the uh, funnest arts report I've ever done. Before we go, can I just give one plug real quick? Yes. Um, if anyone's looking for something to do tonight, Friends for Life Society is having a bingo fundraiser at Celebrities at 8.30 and Queer Film Festival's donated prizes. So you can go down and play bingo. It's all for donations and you can win yourselves a pass to the Vancouver Queer Film Festival. And, you, and who's the charity? Uh, Friends for Life Society. Yes. Wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on, James. We want to hear more from you, more arts reporting from he's, you. He's going to be doing an episode for This Fringy Life, so check right. out. And um, did you decide what your theme is going to be? Musicals! Yay! <laughs> I'm doing feminism. And I think I'm going to look into migration. There's a lot of um, either migrants themselves are talking about migration. I'll just like look at some international and, and migration and race stuff because I love that. I love that topic. It's always so interesting. It's going to be fun. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight on the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. I'm Sarah Lapsley and Megan is going to be back next week, August 28th to host the Arts Report. And I'm just going to leave you because we were talking about bears earlier. Oh, and I want to say, I was talking about Wreck Beach and then I played the PSA and I thought it was for like a festival on wreck beach but it was not it was sorry that (laughs) was was like weird that was weird sorry they should not label that that yeah but we are we did talk about bob mold earlier um i think he's probably on tour at some point soon he's from husker do and he's a self-identified bear and i like that and i like the song and this is his song um the descent okay see you next week everybody keep on rocking